You know, the, I know that you all are noticing that this construction is already beginning and you've probably seen some of the walls that are already going up um, above us and around us. And it's strange to think that in a little over a week, we will no longer be in this particular space. Now I'm gonna say I won't miss hobbling up and down off this uh, stage on these little rickety stairs right here. That won't, I, we won't miss that. Um, but we are in for a bit of change in this church as we all are very much aware. And so I just wanted to celebrate this day with you. I've worn my special sparkle shoes and this is my stole from Bethlehem that a very good friend of mine from seminary brought back to me. Um, that is just so appropriate to wear during Advent. And I wanna talk to you about what we're about to go through as a church in the context of Advent. You know, this past week I had the blessing of leading the Vestry Eucharist, and it's a lovely spiritual practice if you don't know this. The Vestry gets together and has Holy Communion at four o'clock before they have their meeting at 4.30. And so I I've started thinking about this week's uh, readings and Advent, and I shared some thoughts with them that I would also like to share with you today. Now, um, when we're thinking about construction, the first thing that I, I remember as we're thinking about construction as Christian disciples, that we are all under construction by God, there's this beautiful little quote that C.S. Lewis writes in his book, Mere Christianity. And I'm sure some of you have heard it, but I bet some of you have not. So just indulge me just a second, I'm gonna read it. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing and so you are not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The ex explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one that you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. Now, if you have ever lived in a construction site when you've been renovating a home, or if you've been any type of, in, in any part of a construction project, you know how messy and how noisy and invariably you are going to have a few surprises along the way, completely unexpected. And I therefore believe that the season of Advent and the lessons that we have for today are so appropriate for the time that we find ourselves in as a church this season. You know, one of the readings for today traditionally is the Canticle of Mary, and you're about to hear a beautiful version of it sung by our own um, uh, Justin's band. Okay, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But the Canticle of Mary, if you'll remember, it's what she sings when she finds out that she is about to be the mother of Jesus, and she accepts her call. And she says, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. And from this generation, all will call me blessed. 
The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. You know, as we think about the story of Mary accepting the call to motherhood, those of you who have gone through this time of having a child, you know that that is a messy time. It is a time of preparation that can be so much, there can be so much fear. And there you have no idea, especially with the first child, what you're getting into. And then we watch the messiness of Mary's decision as it unfolds, as she shares her story with, Jesus, with, um, with Joseph. And then to top it off, they then have to wander through the countryside because of a census that has been put together under Roman rule. And so the, here they are with all of the emotional ups and downs of being parents, of being called by God, and then they have to set out on a journey with all of the chaos of humanity sorting itself out. And they go into a town that is just swamped with people and all of their animals and their things and their stuff as they, as they travel. And so they have not only the discomfort of not knowing the future as parents, but Mary is also about to have a child. But she is grounded in the excitement of the new possibility, of the excitement of what is about to come, in the excitement of the fulfillment of God, of all of his pro promises that he had made through the prophets. And then we also have the story of John, John part two. Now I preached on John part one last week at the 7.30 and the 5.30 service. And as we heard, as we know, this is not baby John jumping in the womb, excited about hearing uh, the voice of uh, Mary and Jesus coming to visit Elizabeth. No, in Advent, we get to hear the story of adult John waiting in the desert for Jesus to appear. And John knows his call. And you can imagine him growing up and growing into this role as the person who gets to testify, to announce the coming of the Messiah, that he is here. That's him. And then he gets to baptize him. And can you imagine the excitement of John as he is on this side waiting, watching, when is he going to come? And knowing that he's here and it's just a matter of days or weeks. And also during this time, we know that John was an itinerant preacher. So he certainly, besides uh, dressing funny and eating funny things, he was walking around in the countryside, and I know he experienced time of thirst, times of discomfort, as he was waiting and watching for what was to come. And so here we get to see as the excitement builds in John's life. It's about to happen. These stories of Advent, of waiting and while working, in the mess and in the noise of the world, are so appropriate for St. Michael as we head into this season of construction. The church is entering into its own advent. 
and it's going to take a couple years, but we are preparing for what is to come. And in the meantime, we are called to live into the work that is in front of us on every present day. And sometimes, y'all, it's going to be messy. I mean, where we're standing, I'm looking out, there's going to be a construction pit over there. Okay? And there's not going to be all these hallways. And a bunch of this is just going to go away. And there's going to be unexpected surprises along the way. But we are going to be grounded in the knowledge of new possibilities to come. And we will be especially grounded in the fact that it is our Lord who is leading us on our way. Now, new construction, it can have so much more uh, than just a new building, a new building to live in or a home to live in or even a church. This is not going to be just a nice place that we get to use for ourselves. You know, I have actually witnessed, and I bet some of you all have too, but I have actually witnessed firsthand how a single construction project can revitalize a neighborhood. Some of you all know my husband, Scott Hinkle. He is a developer and he has worked on some fantastic projects in Birmingham, Alabama. But I have to say, the one that I am most proud of involved one that probably he didn't make a dollar on. He went and he, there, was this, there was this neighborhood and it was called Highland Avenue for any of you that have ever been in Birmingham. And there was a Catholic high school that was fantastic that was there. But they outgrew their space and so they went south of town and they built a new giant facility. And the old facility was torn down, and it was a vacant lot. And if any of y'all know about um, Alabama, there's this thing called kudzu. It looks like Boston ivy, but worse, and it grows a million times faster. And so this lot was covered with ivy. And the whole street, it was an old historic neighborhood, but it was tired and nothing had happened in that neighborhood for years and for years. And so Scott saw this nursing home, and it had been long shut down. And the front of it, when you looked at it, was beautiful. It had this 1920s facade, uh, or it actually was a building. Um, and then, but if you kind of went around the back, it had a 1940s, 1950s, very utilitarian Cold War-looking back end that was three quarters of the building, attached to this front. And he had the vision to buy that property and to build an absolutely beautiful eight-story condo project that mimicked the history of the neighborhood overlooking the park. And in order to begin, he had to go through a very lengthy design review procedure because it was a historic neighborhood. But he won, and the approval of that project was the beginning of a huge spur in development in that area. 
where families of all income, their homes were renovated, their apartment buildings were renovated, stores that were closed opened. And the light of possibility and new life affected a huge area just because one project got started. And that work continues to expand even further down the streets of that city today. That is my hope for St. Michael as we embark on this project. And you know those Advent stories, that construction projects, they don't just apply to our church as a community. They apply to us also in our lives individually. Because we wander through our times in our life. And there are ups and there are downs. And there are unexpected surprises. Sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not. You know, there's a psalm that says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And I think it's because we are all construction projects of God. He is our master builder, and we are all temples under construction by Him. When we seek His will in our life, He is absolutely delighted to come in and take over and change us completely from the inside out in the hope that we will become his bright spots in the neighborhoods of our lives. And as our architect, y'all, he knows what he has planned for us. He knows what he has planned for this church, but he knows what he has planned for each one of you. As Jeremiah reminds us, for surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you future with a hope. My prayers, therefore, are that we stay grounded in our faith, individually and as a church. <coughs> that we keep our eyes on the promise of the exciting possibilities in our individual callings, but also as a community of faith. God is building us into something new, and he has plans for us that are already in place and already in motion. And he's just waiting for us to prepare for our future. I, for one, cannot wait to see, to begin seeing the new possibilities that are in store for each one of us. Amen.